Happy Friday, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. Last week, Georgia Southern, Southern Miss, and Louisiana all failed in their bids to become bowl eligible, and South Alabama and Troy remained in a virtual deadlock at the top of the Sunbelt West Division. Week 13 is where all the remaining questions will be answered. Which teams will become bowl eligible? Who wins the Sunbelt West? Will Coastal Carolina host the Sunbelt Championship game? Caden, heading into the final weekend of the regular season, we still have so much to decide. What are you expecting from the league this weekend? Man, we've gotten to the finish line. It's been a long season and a great season full with a lot of parody. And now we get to watch some of these teams for the last time. And some of them, we're going to see if it's their last time or not. Some teams fighting for bowl games, fighting for different position and home field advantage going forward. So we're going to see a lot of these teams best shot their final swing at their season. And I'm very excited to watch them end it on a high note for some of these teams and try to use some of that momentum, get into a bowl game, maybe build up the future going forward. And even if they're not in a bowl game, set some things up in the offseason to have some some points of emphasis and some things to work forward. Well, in today's episode, we'll be previewing the final seven games of the Sunbelt regular season. Caden, that sounds really good to say after we started this back in early September. We've talked about a lot of football games, uh, but we'll be previewing those seven games as we get you set for week 13, including a special emphasis on our game of the week between James Madison and Coastal Carolina. Uh, We'll also break down all the scenarios you need to know regarding bowl eligibility and postseason ramifications. Caden, we've talked about the first 12 weeks of the season. We're in the final weekend of Sunbelt regular season play. Are you still ready to talk some football? Last one, best one, Noah. Let's end on a high note. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. And let's start with James Madison versus number 23 ranked Coastal Carolina. This game will be at noon on ESPNU. It's our game of the week this year or this week, rather, on the Frarian Smith podcast. Coastal can clinch the Sunbelt championship hosting responsibilities with a win. JMU uh, could actually be the de facto co-champions in the East uh, with a win, not officially, but the people's championship that we've talked a lot about on this podcast. Uh, Grayson McCall not expected to play, and this will be just the first meeting between these two programs since 2007. Uh, Coastal Carolina has a brief history in Harrisonburg. They're 0-1, losing 45-10 in 2007. Caden, We'll get to Coastal Carolina in a minute, but this could be or this will be probably unless something crazy happens the last time that we see James Madison this season. Uh, And it's time to give them their dues. It's been a magical season for the Dukes in their first season in FBS. They're seven and three going into this game. Uh, They're five and two in Sunbelt Conference play. Uh, This Dukes team was picked to finish sixth in the Sunbelt West. Wow, did the voters get that wrong? And you have to imagine when you look at this Dukes team and and moving forward, Caden, this is a team that's going to be a threat in the league for years to come. You definitely have to give James Madison their flowers. They just made a seamless transition into the Sunbelt Conference that no one could have saw coming. Todd Centeno, obviously, who we had on the podcast this week, leading the charge for this team, a strong defense, just one of the better all-around teams. And I think one of the biggest question marks looking at this team now is what it would look like if they had a healthy Todd Centeno the whole season. And some of those trip-ups and mistakes that we saw them have, the only healthy game they lost was really to Georgia Southern in that one shootout. But other than that, you could attribute those losses to the lack of him and him not being his full self. So I think that's going to be the biggest point of emphasis is offseason is finding his predecessor. But Kurt Sinetti just set the groundwork and the foundation perfectly for this program going forward and has a great recruiting pitch to anyone who's trying to play Sunbelt football that, hey, this is going to be the next team. We've shown that we're on the come up and that we've made our noise heard in our first year in the Sunbelt Conference. So I'm excited to watch them in this game and just moving forward in this conference. We've definitely learned uh, that they have an ardent fan base. I think there is a significant budget up there. And, you know, you talk about the success in terms of their FCS days. 
Uh, this is a program that will be a threat for many years to come. Uh, but if you're James Madison, the, the class of this league for the last couple of years, Caden, has been Coastal Carolina. This is a a program that really all they do is win, to quote the songwriter. Um, this is a Coastal Carolina team. They are 31-4 and four since the start of 2020. Uh, they're tied for the third best record in the FBS with Cincinnati and trailing only Alabama and Georgia in wins. They've won five straight games on the road dating to last season heading into this game. This is a Coastal Carolina team that over the last couple of years, Caden, they have won more than nearly any group of five team um, over these past three seasons. No, and they've simply established themselves as one of the cream of the crop teams of the conference. And being a player at App State, I'd never forget watching it literally happen. I'll never forget the first time we played Coastal. And I was like, okay, hold on. This is not the same team from before. And you have to credit Jamie Chabo for that. You have to credit Grayson McCall for that. You have to credit them for just building that culture. A winning culture is not something that's easy to build. And it's not something that has overnight, but happens overnight. But Coastal made it seem like an overnight thing. They were overnight sensation. They were ranked there on television. They got some great attention to that place in Conway, a very special place. So you have to give credit to them as well. I think it's going to be interesting to watch them play in this game, leading to their conference championship game coming up. And just the, the differences in these trajectories of both of these programs. Now, Coastal's been on the up up and up for quite a while now. JMU's now slowly going to come up as well. So it's definitely going to be excited to watch both of these teams really play as conference opponents for the first time and watch this hopefully be a good matchup moving forward in the next couple of years. Well, let's talk a little bit about some keys in this game. And Caden, you mentioned earlier on, we spoke with Todd Centeno on Wednesday's episode. And, you know, he's been hot. He was not healthy for a couple of weeks, but he's come back in a big way. He's averaging nearly 300 yards per game over his last two games. He's been responsible for five total touchdowns. Uh, he enters with 2,400 plus yards on the year and the third best uh, touchdown to interception ratio, trailing only Chase Bryce and Grayson McCall. It's been a magical season for him, Caden. And when you look at this game, uh, Todd Centeno very easily could be the difference maker in a James Madison victory over 23-ranked Coastal Carolina. Yeah, I mean, this guy's the epitome of an X factor and the epitome of a problem if you're a defense. He's the best dual threat quarterback in the league. I don't think that's really saying too much as far as what he brings to the table with his arm and his legs. And we talked about it. When he's at his healthiest, when he's actually playing to his full, we said he was even at 80%. We saw how good he was. But the closer he gets to 100%, man, the better this team is. And I think the biggest key for him in this offense this game is going to be that ball security. That's what hurt them last week. Those fumbles gave Georgia State the ball back. They got them points on the board. And they have to just get a fast start. I think it's cool. And we talked to Todd about their ability to be able to come back in games. But against a perennial team like Coastal, who's used to winning constantly year after year, game after game, you're going to want to have your best shot and your best start you can against a team like this. So looking for JMU, hopefully, to take better care of the ball in this game, especially if you're Todd. And just have a fast start. Don't have to play from behind just because you can. Yeah, I think you're right on the nail on the head right there. You know, you need a coastal 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 this year has been known for jumping out to these big leads and then relying on their defense. I think if James Madison wants to win this game, they need to do the same to coastal. Meanwhile, this is a coastal program that they're coming into this game fresh. Obviously, everyone, uh, if you follow college football, you're very aware of the unfortunate events that happened at the University of Virginia last week. But um, so Coastal Carolina loses that game. But um, Caden, the last time we saw Coastal Carolina, they relied on a heavy dose of the run game versus Southern Miss. Uh, they ran for 210 yards on the ground. Uh, Jared Guest was the primary quarterback in that game. I would expect to see something similar in this game. What are you expecting out of a rested Coastal Carolina team, you know, without Grayson McCall in this game against James Madison? 
Yeah, it was obviously unfortunate that their last game got canceled, but I feel like once that staff and those players found out that game got canceled, they probably jumped straight into their game plan against JMU. So they will be also physically fresh, but I think mentally they'll also have a step ahead as far as the game plan and being able to get eyes on this team a little bit earlier than you're used to. So I think they're going to use that to their advantage. They're going to see maybe what Georgia State did right in the beginning of the game last week that led to some success, take some pages out of that book. But I think you talk about it, Jarrett Guest coming into his second start, he had two turnovers in the first game, got to turn that down a little bit if you're him. They didn't ask him to do too much. He didn't throw the ball a lot, and they did rely on that run game heavy. I mean, we saw seven different guys, seven different ball carriers get thrown that seven get thrown against that Southern Miss defense the last time we saw them play. And I expect to see a heavy dose of that again this week. We know what James Madison's guys up front are capable of and how they shut down that Georgia State rushing attack last week and how they do that week in and week out. So I think the more bodies and different looks that they can throw out this Georgia or this JMU front, the better they'll be. And I think they have the capability to do that, seeing what they did last week. Yeah, I mean, we have talked about it all year long on this podcast. This is a James Madison team. They have clearly made claim to the best run defense in the Sun Belt this year. They enter allowing just 79 yards per game on the ground. Um, they're the tops in the Sun Belt in that category. They've held non-Power 5 opponents under 100 yards in seven of nine games. The only game that they have allowed to a Power 5 opponent was that 240 game against Louisville. But, um, you know, Coastal comes in, Caden. They've been running the ball a lot better, even when they had Grayson McCall Recently, they're averaging 170 yards per game in their last three games. They've been over 150 yards in eight games this season. This is a good coastal run team, but at the end of the day, they're going up against the the best run defense in the league. How do you expect that to play out in this matchup? Yeah, it's another one of those something has to give situations. We saw Georgia State last week, who's perennial for running the ball, not be able to do it against James Madison. And I think James Madison's key in that aspect of the game last week was just simply stopping on first first and second down, making things hard on third down and getting off of the field. James Madison in the second half of that game last week was just three and out, three and out, three and out. And I think if they can keep Coastal behind the chains and make Jared Guest have to throw the ball, make him have to be the one to win this game, that's going to be a big thing for them. But I think when you look at the other side of it for Coastal, I talked about it before, seven different ball carriers. I mean, Coastal's offense is so unique and you have to have all your bases covered because you have to worry about the dive. You have to worry about a running quarterback like Bryce Carpenter. You have to worry about a weapon like Brown coming on the as the third pitch option. There's a lot to worry about. And I think that Coastal will have to lean in that if they want to give this JMU front trouble. So I think that's going to be a great matchup to watch that front seven that Todd was talking so highly about and how gaps sound and how responsible they are. Can they do that against probably the most complex rushing attack that they're going to see all year? Caden, what would be your X factor in this game? I know that you were leaning in a certain direction, you know, that both teams needed to, I, I think it was take care of the football. Would that, would that be your X factor in this game for both sides? Yeah, with two good teams playing like this at high levels, the little things like penalties, the special team stuff, and I think the biggest one will be turnovers in this game. I think if Jared Guest can get those two interceptions off the board from last week and take care of the ball, that's going to be great for Coastal. And you look at the other side, if JMU can take care of the ball in there and not fumble the ball a bunch of times in the first half like they did last time and not beat themselves, I think that's going to really be what makes this game even. I think if both teams can take care of the ball, we'll really get to see the peak of their powers on both sides of the ball and see a really even matchup, kind of similar to what we saw, crazy to say this, but with Arkansas State and Texas State last week, where it was just two teams who didn't turn over the ball over, played mistake-free football and Duke to die. I think if we can see that this weekend, both teams will have a really good shot of playing their best ball, and then we'll just have to see at the end who maybe it's a situation whoever has the ball last wins. Hey, here's my X factor in this game, and I think this game gets decided on third down. Uh, Coastal comes in. They are the best team on third down conversion rate this season. JMU is the third best on third down defense. 
Okay, and I really feel like this game could be decided on who picks up more third downs, who can give themselves more manageable third down uh, positions. I think you touched on the best right there. I think it's going to be about the manageability of third down, especially when you look at a team like Coastal who doesn't have their point guard and Grayson McCall running the offense. If they can get in third manageable situations and get in situations where they can run the ball and pass the ball and keep James Madison on their toes, that's going to be better suited for them. But I think if you look at a team like James Madison, listen, we saw them playing from behind with their backs against the wall plenty of time. Third and long to a guy like Todd Santeo, Kind of kind of more relaxed, kind of feel a little bit better about it versus a guy like Jared Guest, who you're just seeing not getting his feet wet as far as playing in the sunboat. So I think it's going to be an even bigger point of emphasis on the coastal side of the ball versus the James Madison side of the ball, but equally as important for the whole game. And I think it will be huge as far as who can get their defense off the field, get their offense back on the field and be able to score some points. Well, well, interested to hear what your pick will be at the end of this episode, so we'll get into that a little bit later on. But, Cade, let's move on to a game that I know is near and dear to your heart, and that is the Georgia Southern versus App State game that'll take place at 6 p.m. on ESPN+. And, Caden, this is one of the longest-running rivalries in the Sun Belt, or, you know, really longest rivalries. Uh, App State 21-15-1 and all-time versus Georgia Southern. Apps won the last two, but Georgia Southern is 10 and seven all time in Statesboro. These are two programs that, you know, were the cream of the crop in FCS for so many years. Uh, but Caden, here's what makes this game fun. One of these teams will see their season come to an end. The other is going to a bowl game. I don't think anyone could have predicted that at the beginning of this year, but App State has never missed a bowl. Georgia Southern last played in a bowl in 2020. So something is going to break in this game, and I'm here for it. But I know you're a little nervous about this game. I am. And I, I can let me just tell the people this. This is a hostile game, especially in Georgia Southern. This rivalry doesn't need anything else to be added to it. It's always an intense one. That crowded Statesboro is always given their best. It's always at night. It's just the, the, it's, it's the most... Other than playing Power 5 teams, it's the most college football-y I've felt playing college football. It's a game where both teams are going to be chirping before the game if they see each other. It's going to be high stakes. And now that the stakes are even higher with one of these teams leaving with a bowl, when you, the Sunbelt couldn't have painted a better picture as far as, okay, App State's not going to be as good as we're used to them being. But what's some drama? What's some action we can get around this season and for App State? And I think you, you have it painted out right here. Two teams at five wins looking to get to that six one and make a bowl game. So I expect high emotions, high intensity, and just an all-out battle and one of the best rivalries we've seen in the conference to date. Okay, and we're not going to get into this on this episode, but to me, this game right here is the perfect model for what Week 13 scheduling in the Sun Belt should look like moving forward. Creating more rivalry matchups, matchups that fans care about in the final game of the regular season. So I would love to see that moving forward, but we'll have to get into that on another episode, maybe cook up some matchups that, that maybe we could toss to the Sun Belt and give them some ideas. But uh, Caden, in this game, uh, you know, I think the, the quarterbacks are going to play a huge role and I'm going to go ahead and start with Kyle Van Trees. And really, I think the question mark for me becomes, is he out of gas? Has he run out of gas? He, you know, he's had five, 300 plus yard passing games in his first seven, but just one in his last four. He's thrown a combined five touchdowns in his last four games. I just have to wonder if he's running on empty right now or does he have that quarter tank left and we've still got one fantastic Kyle Van Trees game this season. It's a great question. And when you look at this team and what we've seen from them, their resume with Kyle Van Trees all season long, he has been carrying them. Like it's, it's no secret that his arm has been the one that's propelling them to victories when they have won games this year. And I think in the last two games, maybe you do see some gas that's been ran out of. They're not throwing the ball with the vertical pass game as effectively as they did in the past. They're doing a lot of screen passes and they're playing teams like Marshall and Louisiana that can come up and tackle those things pretty easy. I think it's also affected their run game. I think 
with that vertical passing game being so effective all season long, that's really what their run game has been based on too. So Kyle not playing his best football right now, maybe under a little bit more duress than we've normally seen as well, as far as him playing a clean brand of football, not getting sacked before seeing a little bit more pressure in the last couple of games. I think it's a combination of a bunch of different things. He might have a little bit less gas in the tank, but I think the people in Georgia Southern in that community have probably reminded him that if there's any time to use that reserve gas tank. It's this game and this big rivalry game in Statesboro. So it'll be interesting to see how he, him and this offense come out in this one, despite them kind of sputtering the last two weeks, but then ultimately having to up the ante. And if they want to make a bowl game and want to get a win in this one, they're going to need some big play out of him. I think too, and you know, we haven't mentioned this, but I was reminded of this earlier in the week that as the season has gone on, that receiver core has been decimated at Georgia Southern. You look at guys like Kennerson, you look at guys like Jones and Burgess, and even Singleton recently, I've been told, has been playing at about 60, 70% uh, what you're used to seeing. So that timing hasn't looked the same. And I think that that could be part of some of those late season struggles that this isn't the same Georgia Southern offense that we saw at the beginning of the year. But obviously in a game like this, you never know if a quarterback has a big game, things could change. So that'll be something to keep an eye out on. Meanwhile, for App State, this has quietly been Chase Bryce's best season of his career. Um, this could be Chase's final collegiate game. Um, you know, he needs coming into this game, needs 332 yards for his second consecutive 3,000-yard passing season needs just one touchdown to set a new career high. He currently has 31 this season. But uh, Chase Bryce has been outstanding, Kate, and I have to imagine um, he will leave App State with quite the legacy. Yeah, and seeing him on his senior night and some of the embrace that he got from the App State crowd that went both ways, I think it was lovely to see, especially someone who just showed up to the school last year and really App State kind of took them as his own. And I think that's played a lot into his confidence as well. But he's having an electric season. I mean, he's leading the conference in touchdown passes right now, third in yards. And I think the biggest question coming into this one is, are they going to let Chase Cook? This could be his last college football game. You obviously don't want it to be if you're App State. You saw how effective it was last week when he was taking the ball over the top and really stretching the field. So I think in this one, are they going to let Chase do that again? Are they going to let him go out on a high note, be the one kind of like Van Trees has been all year for Southern to lead with his arm and get it going? But also this Georgia State rushing or Georgia Southern rushing defense is also not great either. So they'll probably be able to get some things going there as well. But I would love to see a heavy dose of Chase Bryce in this game for sure. Watching one of the conference's best quarterbacks, hopefully in his career on a high note as far as the regular season goes. It really feels like Chase Bryce has kind of turned into the adopted son up in Boone. You know, he was brought into the fold and he's been treated like he's been part of the family for years. So I think that's that's neat to see for him in his final collegiate season, given his journey that we've talked to him about on this pod earlier in the year. But Caden, transitioning a little bit, I think uh, both of these teams bring big dynamic rushing attacks into this game. App enters rushing for about 189 yards per game on the ground this year. Georgia Southern sitting at 145. Uh, the Eagles ran for 179 last week. Jalen White had that big game. Uh, App State got 207. Uh, we talked about the quarterback play a moment ago, but I, I do think that the running, the rushing attacks of these teams will play a, a pretty large role in this game. And I'll tell you right now, just from playing in this rivalry, being in the trenches for this one, it's definitely going to be important. It was obviously more of a priority when Georgia Southern was running that triple option offense. That game was simply won and lost in the trenches when you look at that side of the ball. But a little bit different look for Georgia Southern this year, for sure. And I think, like I said before, their run game, if you look at it week after week, it's been very much predicated on how well they can pass the ball. So I think the better that Georgia Southern can pass the ball in this game, the better they're going to be able to run it. On the flip side, if you're App State, kind of been a coin flip every week as far as can you run the ball or not. And I think we saw them get a little bit stubborn with that throughout the year, trying to kind of force themselves to be able to run the ball. But I think 
with them in this game. You've proven that Chase Bryce can lead your team throwing the ball from your performance last week, and now you're going up against a defense that gives up the most rushing yards per game in the conference in Georgia Southern that's given up 227. So the running backs are probably licking their chops in this one. They're probably looking forward to getting after this kind of weak defensive front. So it's going to be interesting to see how both teams run the ball in this game for sure. This game features a premier offensive line matchup. The top two teams in terms of preventing sacks. Georgia Southern's given up just seven this year. App State just 17. Uh, so watch out for that. But, Caden, I really feel like defense is going to be the X factor in this game. And for as much flack as this App State defense has been given this year, in terms of statistically, they're a top five defense in terms of yards per game given up. Uh, Georgia Southern statistically the worst defense in the league, although they are top six in interceptions. App State comes in top six in sacks created. I, I really feel like despite what we expect to be a pretty offensive game, that defenses are going to play a large role and could ultimately be what decides this contest. They will. And I think if you look at Georgia Southern's defense, like I'm not going to just expect them overnight to be a team that's shutting people out all of a sudden. I think they've very much been a product of their offense this year as far as Kyle Ventrese is lighting it up, their offense is scoring. We have to be on the field quite a bit. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. And I think they will have to play good in this game if they want to win because I think the past two weeks, Georgia Southern hasn't really proven to be that team that can win in shootouts like they used to. But I think on App State side, you have to give them the benefit of the doubt simply because of the injuries. I mean, this team has been decimated with injuries all year. We've seen Two injuries at the outside linebacker position, Trey Cobb in and out of the lineup. Some very important linebacker spots, and it's really forced the secondary and some people who are a little bit younger to step up in these roles. And I think I will play devil's advocate a little bit against App State, despite what people might not want to hear. I think the game against Citadel and the game against Robert Morris are propping up some of those stats just a little bit if you really look into it. But I think it's really going to come down to can App State stop the big plays. I think all year the tackling on the perimeter has been an issue, which is going to be testing this game with the screen game and screen action that Georgia Southern's offense likes to run. And can they stop those explosive plays over the top? We saw at the end of the Old Dominion game, even some of those explosive plays got the best of them. We talked about those 300 yards that Hayden Wolf got to get and achieve in that last game. So I think the biggest question for the App State defense is, one, can our guys who aren't healthy, that are getting kind of their feet wet now, kind of getting into the swing of things, can they perform big? Can we tackle well? And can we keep things in front of us and not give anything over the top against this quarterback who definitely likes to extend the field when given the chance? Well, everybody loves rivalry football, and that certainly is going to be a good one. We'll move on now. Marshall versus Georgia State. This game will be at noon on ESPN+. Plus. And Caden, you know, there's not really a lot to play for in this game, but this is a very juicy matchup. Marshall earned bowl eligibility last week for the sixth year in a row, but this will be the first meeting between the two programs. Georgia State saw their hopes for a fourth straight bowl game end last week. Um, Caden, here's what's going to be fun in this game. This is going to be smash mouth football. Like we're going to see a lot of running in this game. Uh, it features the top two rushing attacks in the league, Georgia state, about 228 yards per game. Marshall at 199. You're going to probably see guys like Laybourne and Ali, Tucker, Greg, Marcus Carroll. Like we are going to see an elite rushing game. Uh, and I'm looking forward to this particular because of that. You got my notes in front of you, Noah. I have it on my notes. I think it's going to be the battle of the newly inserted into the lineup, Rasheen Ali and Kalen Laybourne versus Marcus Carroll and Tucker Gregg. I think that's a great running back game. And then I think you also, to add another layer, you have two of the best mobile quarterbacks in the conference and Darren Granger and Cam Fancher, two guys who've proven that they can get some things done with their legs as well. So I think you could probably, before the game, have these two teams line up across from each other and say, hey, can we just not throw the ball today and just really see who wants to get after it? And they'd probably both agree with it. They both love running the ball. It's going to be very Greg big. Yeah, him 100%. And I think it's going to be a smash mouth game for sure. It's going to be in Hattiesburg, and I'm super excited to watch these two teams duke it out and see who can really outrun the other one. Yeah, no, this this one uh, will be a, a lot of fun up in Huntington. Um, 
you know, JMU, they come in, or JMU is the top-ranked run defense in the league. They held Georgia State to just 81 yards last week. The Herd come in the third-best run-stopping team. Caden, if you're Marshall, what is the uh, the key to slowing down Georgia State's rushing attack? You got to be gaps on it. You got to just play downhill. That's what James Madison did in the second half of their game. When you watch James Madison stuff the run last week, it didn't look like anything crazy. It was just simply everybody on their defense being where they had to be and being there confidently. So I think, listen, Georgia State doesn't run the most complicated run scheme. Tucker Greg said it himself. You might you might know what we're running, but we're still going to do it, and you're still going to have to stop it. And I think it's going to be about do you have that stamina and that strength to hold up and be gap responsible, both physically with your body and then mentally to be able to lock in and do it play after play. You can kind of get lulled to sleep sometimes, and that's when you see some of these long runs get break off. That's when you see Darren Granger maybe pull it, get outside the pocket and outside on the edge and run the ball. So I think that's going to be a big staple in this game is going to be the run discipline really on both sides of the ball. This matchup is also going to feature two of the hotter quarterbacks in the league uh, between Cam Fancher, Darren Granger. Fancher has thrown or has four touchdowns in his last two games. He's thrown for over 250 yards per game. Meanwhile, Granger comes in a little over 175 yards per game and is in three of his last four. He's responsible for eight touchdowns. Caden, the running backs is clearly the headliner in this one. But if there was that follow up group, it would be the quarterback play in this contest. Definitely. And I think we've talked about the stock of these quarterbacks throughout the season, and it's only gone up and up and up. These are probably two of the most really improved players throughout the conference. If you look throughout the season from start to finish and these two guys, I have nothing but respect for their game and what they've been able to do. But I think if you look at Darren Granger last week, he kind of look at, took a little bit of a step back. I don't think it was really his fault necessarily. The Panthers got, I think, a little bit too stubborn and overzealous with their run game. He only threw the ball 15 times in that game. That's the lowest or the second lowest pass attempts numbers he had all season. So I'm going to be curious to see if they let him maybe generate some offense with his arm a little bit in this game as well. But Cam Fancher, man, just keep doing what you're doing if you're him. He's been getting the ball in the end zone like what kind of challenged him to do in the past and really, I think, gotten more used to and comfortable with the lack of throwing. I think when you watch Columbia earlier in the season, because they were running the ball so much, it was kind of hard for him to get a rhythm and establish that. But I think Fancher's kind of gotten used to that, kind of settled in, and we've seen it with some of the accurate and dynamic throws he's been able to make in the last couple games of the season. Kate, I know this next thing in this matchup will be music to your ears, and that is this also features uh, a big-time secondary matchup between guys like Antavius Lane and Quavian White for Georgia State, who were tied for the most interceptions in GSU history. Stephen Gilmore for Marshall, three interceptions this year. Marshall comes in second in the league in terms of interceptions. Georgia State fourth in the league. I would expect that we're probably going to see at least an interception or two in this contest. Yeah, I got to give some love to my guy, Micah Abraham, too, from Marshall. He has five interceptions on the season, too. This is definitely two of the hardest secondaries to play against in the league. And we were talking about how important that run game was, obviously. But when things do get on the outside, I think both of these units have proven that they will challenge passes. They will break up balls and get their hands on it, and they will intercept them. And I know guys like Quavian White like to do something after the catch as well and get busy and try to get in the end zone. So I think it's going to be a tall task for both of these quarterbacks. But I think for both quarterbacks, it's not going to be anything they're not used to just because they play against a good secondary every week as well. So it's going to be excited to watch some of those matchups on the outside and it definitely will be important and could be a big X factor, especially if the run games kind of just cancel each other out. A lot of clock gets eaten up and not a lot of yards and gains. So I think on the outside, it's definitely going to be something to watch for both teams. Yeah, really last thing and what you just said kind of transitions me into this that I'm that I'm definitely watching out for in this contest. Jamari Thrash has had a really good season. Uh, it's kind of gone unnoticed a little bit. He comes in 955 yards this year. He needs just 45 to record a thousand yards. And here's why that is crazy to think about. That would only that would only be the third 1000 yard season in Georgia State history. He's second in the Sun Belt, 15th nationally in terms of yards. We've spent a lot of time talking about guys like Ollie Jennings, but Jamari Thrash has had a really big season for Georgia State. 
And it's obviously unfortunate that Ali went down with the injury because he likely would have been able to hold on to that wide receiver title and belt. We've been talking about this offseason as far as getting the most yards, but Jamari Thrash just needs five and this one to take the belt. And I think it's really a product to his growth as a player as well. I think it's been a big year for individual improvement. If you look at Georgia State, this is a guy that had 400 yards last year, was a part of an offense that really didn't throw the ball that much. And now he's kind of solidified himself as a centerpiece. He got his connection going with Darren Granger and being in company with a guy like Penny Hart, who was the last thousand yard receiver that they had, who was an absolute problem. I saw him myself. He's still in the NFL and he's a great player to be in that company is definitely rare air. And it's definitely a product of Thrash's great year. So hopefully he can get all those achievements and do what he has to do in this game to really put himself in those record books. Well, that's that Georgia State Marshall game. Another one we'll be keeping an eye out for. Caden, let's move on and we're going to talk about two games here. We'll split them up, but we are going to talk about two that really matter this weekend, and that's South Alabama versus Old Dominion, and then in a moment we'll get into Arkansas State versus Troy. The reason those games matter, Caden, is because this the, the, the West Division title is going through these two games. If both teams win, Troy goes to the title game. If South Alabama loses, then Troy goes to the title game. If you know Troy loses and South Alabama wins, then South Alabama goes to the title game. Uh, A lot to go here, but let's talk about South Alabama Old Dominion briefly, and then we'll get into Arkansas State Troy. Uh, USA and Old Dominion, they're actually playing each other for the first time ever in this matchup. Um, South Alabama defeated their only other East foe this year in Georgia Southern 38-31. And, you know, as we just mentioned, obviously South Alabama is still in contention for the Sunbelt title game. Kane, the big thing for me in this one is South Alabama needs to get healthy. We know that Carter Bradley played injured for most of last week's game. They were without LaDamian Webb. Uh, I am hearing that Carter Bradley is going to play this week. LaDamian Webb questionable, but they're optimistic he would he would play. I think regardless of, you know, what this ends up being here, South Alabama wants to try to get healthy as they get set for that eventual bowl game. Yeah, health is everything towards the end of the season. Not everybody's feeling good. Every team's going to have injuries. And I think you can see that and especially say that on the other side of the, of the ball with Old Dominion. But are South Alabama missing LaDamian Webb last week and Carter Bradley would obviously be a bigger loss for them, but we've seen a lot of guys been able to step up for them. This is not the time of year you necessarily want people to step up big to the occasion, but seeing McReynolds step up in the backfield was big for them. And they've had guys like in the backfield, like Wells all year in justice, really doing great things for them when LaDamian Webb has been out. So you want him back. You want him back in the center fold of this offense and being productive, but him and Carter, hopefully being back in this game healthy with some more things on the line as far as the conference championship conversation. You'd like to see them both back out there. I know they're hoping to get them out there in this game. Obviously, Old Dominion comes into this game. They're missing most of their star power. Henderson's hurt. They're Jennings out for the year. So is Kuntz. Um, But Hayden, you know, Hayden Wolf, Caden, um, you know, he had arguably one of his best games of the season last week versus App State through for 308, uh, through for 313 versus Georgia Southern earlier this year. But Give me your report card on Hayden Wolf this season. What what have been your thoughts on his play? It's tough to say. I think early in the season when they were winning games, I think it kind of shadowed some of the blemishes in his game. But he's an accurate passer. He's definitely, in my eyes, more of a game manager than a game winner. I think this team really needed somebody to be more explosive in the passing game all season and be able to get some points on the board. I think his touchdown numbers are a little low, but the yardage numbers are up. He takes pretty good care of the ball. But I think overall, he just wasn't exactly what this offense needed, which was someone to elevate them and take them to another level. And I think the running game wasn't there for him, granted. But I think 
Ali Jennings was a weapon that he had all year that he utilized for sure. But I think if you would have saw more Javon Harvey in the earlier in the season, maybe the utilization of, of Zach Koontz earlier in the season, I think we've seen at different times he can lean on different weapons, but not necessarily all of them coming together at once. So I think that's something that he had to work on and that he didn't really get better at throughout the year. And I think it kind of showed as far as their record this year in Old Dominion. He's going to be going up against Caden. You know, I'm I'm saying an incredible defense here. And I was actually a little shocked as I was digging into this a little bit this afternoon. But we've talked so much this year about this Troy defense. And, and we'll talk about them more in just a few moments. But when you look at it, statistically, South Alabama is actually the better defense. They're the second best defense in the Sun Belt in terms of yards per game given up. Uh, rushing yards per game at 87. They're fourth in passing yards. Why has South Alabama's defense been so dynamic this season? Well, I think when you look at them and Troy and Marshall, these are the all teams that I think if you look at them just from their front seven to the back end, the most consistent across the board. And I think that's really what's been helping them. And I think another part of that is they've been getting a little bit more help from their offense this year compared to those other teams. You look at Troy, you look at Marshall. They've had up and down offenses some days where the rushing game is their big thing, some days where the passing game is the big thing. They've had a consistent thing on the other side of the ball. And Todd talked about it with James Madison as well, playing complementary football between your offense and defense. I think if you look top to bottom from the whole season, South Alabama has been playing some of the best complimentary football when things aren't going well for the offense, the defense picks them up and vice versa. I think the only problem I've seen in this defense really is finishing games out. They have a good lead and maybe give up some points towards the end of the game. But I think if you take some of that stuff away, they are going to be up there with Troy statistically and how we regard them. But I think overall you have guys like Yam Banks on the back end, one of my favorite defensive players in the conference this year, leading them, I think out wide at the cornerback position. They're very strong too. just a top to bottom, great defense and very opportunistic and, always gap sound, always responsible, and always giving teams fits as far as offense goes. Well, we'll move past that game and into the next game, Arkansas versus Troy. This is a game that you know, originally the start time was at 3 p.m. Eastern. It's recently, as of to, you know, as of Monday, upgraded to 3.30 p.m. And the reason for that is it's been upgraded to ESPNU, so national television audience for this game. Uh, that happened after the UVA-Virginia uh, Tech game was canceled here. But Troy is seeking their first ever appearance in the Sunbelt Conference title game. Uh, they come into this game, though, 6-8 and eight all-time versus Arkansas State, just 4-4 four and four in Jonesboro, although they did win last year. Um, they had, you know, lost five of the previous six dating to 2011. So certainly Arkansas State has some history, but obviously we've seen how they've played this year. Caden, it's going to be really interesting in this one that – Troy might actually know if they're going to the championship game prior to the start of this game or maybe 20 minutes into this game because of how early that South Alabama game goes. So I think that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. There'll definitely be some scoreboard watching, I'm sure, in the locker room leading to the start of that game. Um, but I think the big storyline for Troy down the stretch here, Caden, is they need, to, they need to find more consistency at the quarterback position. It's been that QB position has been largely non-existent. Over the past two weeks, they've seen just three passing touchdowns in the last four weeks. Gunnar Watson threw for just 78 yards last week. How can Troy find something more than 78 yards on offense from that quarterback position? I think it really comes down to the creativity. I think in the beginning of the season, you could put it on the quarterbacks. They were turning the ball a little bit more over. And I think once they realized, oh, our defense is probably not going to let the other team score much. I just kind of need to take care of the ball and play more conservative. I think that's kind of been what the quarterbacks that have been playing for this team. When you look at Jared Gate, Deggie and Gunnar Watson have kind of been doing and they haven't really been taking too many risks. But I think they also just lack creativity. I think when you look at some of their games that are very, very low scoring, 
They're not really utilizing Tess Johnson the way you would like to see. They're not really getting Deshaun Stoudemire going. And these are receivers that we saw firsthand when we were at the App State game make some really big catches and some really big moments. And a lot of them were contested. I think they're not necessarily giving their guys the opportunities over the top and explosive plays. I mean, last game, Tess Johnson gets a 15-yard catch, and that's their most explosive pass day of the passing play of the game. So I think just more explosiveness. You'd like to see that. Obviously, you want to see them utilize their weapons better, get them going underneath and over the top. But ultimately, I think all of the quarterbacks that have played in the system have kind of been playing. Let me just win the game football. Let me manage this game knowing my defense is playing well. And then down the stretch, maybe I'll take some more chances. So it'll be interesting to see in this last game, depending on how the outcome of the other game goes, how aggressive they are on offense. And maybe if they try to lean into some of those weapons more. I have a feeling that if they need to, you might see another big run game brewing here. Arkansas State comes in the fifth worst rushing defense in the league. Uh, Kamani Baudal coming off of that big performance last week. He's averaging 142 yards per game, obviously helped out for that 242 last week. But, uh, Caden, when you match these teams up, uh, I feel like Troy has a real advantage on the ground. They do, especially when you look at this Arkansas State rushing offense that's been struggling all year to rush the ball. They only rushed for 54 yards in their last game. And you look at the flip side of it, Kamani Vidal just going absolutely crazy last week, one of the biggest games we've ever seen in Troy history. And I think that's something nice that you can lean on in those situations. But again, going back to the quarterback play, you'd like to see a little bit more balance. But I think it is refreshing and nice being able to see Kamani and DK Billingsley have big games and be a big part of this offense because I think this game could be very much one up front. We saw Arkansas State play in a tough game last week, very hard fought defensive battle. And I think if you have Kamani running the ball like that and you have DK Billingsley as a changeup, it's going to be very hard and easy probably to break the spirit of this Arkansas State front seven. Hey, Troy has proven this year that you don't have to have great offense to win football games. You just have to have a great defense. And Troy, Caden, when I was digging into this, I, I, it's is almost mind-boggling numbers. They've given up fewer than 17 points in eight of their 11 games this season. Uh, they're going up against an Arkansas State team here that, yes, they scored 35 last week against UMass, but if you take that game out of the equation, they're averaging about just over 14 points a game in the last five. So I think Troy's got another chance here for a good defensive day, and I think we'll certainly see if that uh, materializes uh, in this contest. But We'll move on to ULM versus Southern Miss. Um, this game will be at 3 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Southern Miss must win this game to become bowl eligible. They are 4-2 all-time against ULM, um, but they did uh, lose the last meeting 21-20 back in 2018. Uh, Southern Miss, uh, both of their losses to ULM have actually come in Hattiesburg, which I thought was interesting. Caden, in this game, I feel like Frank Gore's hungry. He saw Kamani Vadal rush for 242 yards last week, and you've talked about, you know, keeping track of box scores, and I'm sure his eyes lit up when he saw that. He comes into this game needing just 146 yards for his first career 1,000-yard rushing season. Um, think all the way back to week one. He ran it 32 times for 178 yards against Liberty in week one. I would like to see Southern Miss lean into that here in this final game of the year. I would definitely expect to see a heavy dose of Frank Gore Jr. in this game, whether it's a super back, whether it's them handing him the ball off. They're probably going to try to get him the ball every which way they can just because of the matchup they do have in that aspect of the game. And they're fighting for ball eligibility. They have five wins. And when you're in those moments, 
it's no secret you have to lean into your best players. The game plan is going to get a lot done for you as far as winning an individual game, but you're going to need your best players to play their best. And we had him on the podcast. We know his mentality and how he runs the ball and how he feels and the confidence he has in his guys up front to be able to do some things that are really special and some things that we just don't see week in and week out from the conference. I think he's been one of the brighter points of this team this season, and I definitely expect them to lean on him in this game, one of their biggest of the season. Expect another tight one in this game. Uh, You know, ULM, they play a lot of tight games. They've played four of their last five games within seven points to their opponents. They're two and two in those games. Uh, They've played tight against Coastal this year. They beat Louisiana. They beat Texas State. Uh, Southern Miss is three and three this season in games decided by less than a touchdown, but they are 0 for their last two. Uh, Caden, I would expect a tight one in this. I'm not giving away my picks later on, but I think this matchup has a, a really tight game in store for it. Yeah, these are two teams that we've seen week in and week out fight to the bitter end. And I really especially like seeing it with ULM on their side just because of traditionally who they've been in this conference and how they've played. I think this is some of the most fight we've seen out of them and another team like Texas State, which we'll talk about later. But I think it's very promising for them. You have Chandler Rogers in this game who's probably going to fight for every single yard and try to make the best of his opportunities. Frank Gore Jr. on the other side. So I'm definitely excited to watch both of these teams who have proven that they will fight to the end. They will do whatever it takes to win. And they are going to leave it all out there to score off in this one. Keep an eye out for Chandler Rogers versus that nasty bunch in this game. Prior to last week, he'd thrown for over 270 yards per game in his last five. Uh, Southern Miss giving gives up about 238 through the air. Um, they have done a really nice job at sacking opposing quarterbacks, just over three sacks per game in their last five. So definitely keep an eye out on that matchup, Rogers versus the nasty bunch. Well, Caden, let's move on to Texas State versus Louisiana. This will be the final game uh, that we preview during the regular season this year. So congratulations on making it to the end. We'll make this one good. But Texas State, Louisiana could be a really good game. Uh, Again, this is a Louisiana team that much like Southern Miss is in a situation where they have to win to become bowl eligible. They've not missed a bowl since 2017. Uh, Texas State, you know, they have notably struggled on the road, but I think thankfully for them in this game, this game's at home where they're four and one this season. Uh, I thought this was interesting, and I don't know if this is if this is good for Louisiana or if this is good for Texas State. Louisiana has never lost to Texas State. They're 0 and 9, but you know, when you play this game 10 times, is there always that one chance that Texas State could win this game. Is this the one? We'll we'll have to get to our picks in a little while. But, uh, Caden, QB production is going to be a big story in this game. Ben Wooldridge will be out. Chandler Fields made his first appearance last week against FSU since week five, threw for 159 in that touchdown. Uh, and then, meanwhile, for Texas State, Caden, it's been overlooked, but Lane Hatcher has had a quietly good season in San Marcos. 19 touchdowns to nine interceptions. He's thrown for over 2,500 yards. So I'm interested to see the quarterback battle in this matchup. I am. And these are two guys that are kind of proving different things. We've talked about Lane Hatcher in the past, really evolving and stepping up and really being the catalyst of this team and one of the leaders of this team with his play. And I think when he's at home, he's just a different kind of cat. He plays well at home and he's feeding off of his guys in the crowd there. So I'm excited to watch him get after this, especially the season like he had being in the top five for passing yards and something we would just wouldn't have expected with some of the names we have in this conference. So you got to give all credit to him. And then Chandler Fields, you have to give credit to him as well. I mean, he's in a tough position getting beat out by Ben Wooldridge and then having to kind of get thrown into the fire against a number 19th ranked Florida State team. And he got a, a touchdown in the air and on the ground 
obviously wasn't the best day for that team and it was a tough matchup, but I would be very interested to see how he starts off this game. He played against one of the best defenses in the country. Now he's going to see a little bit of a talent drop. Maybe his confidence goes up with that. He scored his last touchdowns in the fourth quarter of that game, and maybe he can ride some of that and rally these guys to a bowl game. I think it'd be a great story if the starter turned back up, turned back the starter, was able to turn some things around for Louisiana and get them into a bowl game here. Well, and he also has the ability, if they can win this game in the next two weeks or, you know, this game in a bowl game to really establish himself as that starter next year. I mean, you hate to see Wooldridge go out, but Chandler Fields has a great audition. And, and you know, in college football, Caden, it's what have you done for me lately? And if Fields can have a good game here, get them to a bowl game, could play well in that bowl game. Don't be surprised to see him running out there in week one next year. Um, you know, Let's talk about two things that I think each team has an advantage of. Texas State's really good at controlling the run. They gave up just 54 yards on the ground last week. They've been the fourth-best rushing defense into the league. Um, so that's been really good for Texas State. Louisiana, meanwhile, Caden, you love this. They're a bunch of ball hawks. They have 11 different guys with an interception this year. They're third in the Sun Belt. Um, I did think this was interesting. They have not had an interception in back-to-back games, but they're going up against Lane Hatcher, who has the third most interceptions this year. So, Talk to me about how each one of those facets could really determine this game. Yeah, we'll start off with that Louisiana secondary. I mean, I think they've established and proved themselves as one of the better units across the conference, really just the most consistent unit. I think if you look in week in and week out, and Lane Hatcher does have a tendency to turn the ball over, and we've seen in the past they are successful in those games where they play some quarterbacks that turn the ball over. So I'm very excited to watch them, and I think they could have a huge X factor in this game. And then on the flip side, Texas State has quietly become one of the better front sevens in this conference. I think that they've proven week in and week out as well that they can stop their run. And they're going up against a Louisiana run game that I think has kind of recently improved in the last couple of weeks in the beginning of the year when they were having some of those quarterback troubles. A lot of that was also because they didn't have a run game. But you've seen Chris Smith kind of start to come to life here towards the end. Are they going to be able to keep riding that momentum? Are they going to be able to do that against a kind of an underrated Texas State front at home who's going to be playing in their last game knowing that it's their last one? probably leaving it all on the line. So I'm definitely excited to watch that matchup in the trenches and then out wide with the Texas State receiving core that really doesn't have any names that we're familiar with or any really star power going up against a Louisiana group that very very well might lock this team up. Well, Caden, that one will be a lot of fun to watch. We'll move on to our picks, and this is probably going to be the juiciest pick segment of the year because I think that there are some games that really could go either way, and I'm interested to see how many times you and I disagree here Uh, But I think that this could be a a great way to go out the last picks that we will make during the regular season this year. So let's go out with a bang here. We'll go ahead and start with James Madison versus number 23, Coastal Carolina. Kane, I'm a little bit disappointed in the odds makers in this game. I understand why, but JMU comes in a 13 and a half point favorite against a top 25 team. Um, I think that the only reason that's the case is because Grayson McCall probably will not play in this game. Um, I always want to hedge that by saying probably, but not expecting him to play. The over-under sits at 53 and a half. Kane, I'm interested to hear uh, how you see this one going. Yeah, we talked about this off the air. This is definitely a little bit of a disrespectful line. I think a lot of that has to do with not seeing Coastal play last week as well. I think no Grayson McCall being this game away for Coastal definitely garners seven points, but 13 and a half is a little crazy. But all that being said, I am going to go with James Madison in this game. I think if you look at this, it's really James Madison's Super Bowl. They're not going to be able to play for a bowl game or a conference championship. This is their last year. They have their seniors and the guys playing in the purple and gold for the very last time. And I think them being at home in this kind of Super Bowl-esque game, being able to put a stamp on the end of their season in the final game of the year, 
just like what they have going as far as momentum too. And I think with an undermanned coastal team kind of maybe has their eyes a little bit looking forward to that championship game with a backup quarterback at the helm. Just got to go with James Madison in this one. I do think the spread is a little heavy. I think the coastal will cover in this game, but I'm also going to take the over on the points. I think James Madison gets off to a hotter start in this one than they did last week, has a point of emphasis on starting this game better and probably holding on to the lead and having coastal play catch up the whole time. So give me James Madison to win. Give me coastal to cover though. And I'll take the over on the points. Make the rings. Hang the flag because the Dukes are about to win the Sunbelt East, even though they can't really win it. But I am also taking JMU to win this game. I think they have a lot of things going for them. This game's at home. I think that atmosphere is going to be electric. Look for a lot of purple streamers to flow out onto the field during this game. I think we're going to see a decent number of points. But having said all of that, Caden, um, I'm not ready to write Coastal off. And so I do think that 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 spread of 13 and a half was way too heavy in this game. I think Coastal will find a way to make this thing interesting. I think Coastal is going to cover the 13 and a half, but I do think JMU is going to win. I am also going to take the over in this game because I do think we'll see a significant amount of points one way or another uh, from these two sides. So that one's going to be juicy. I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm just glad to see that we agreed on that one. And I'm now I'm interested to see on this next one because Georgia Southern versus App State. And I'm interested to see if you pick with your head here or if your heart, but App is uh, a four and a half point favorite. Uh, the over under sits at 60 and a half. Caden, I'm going to go first here. Uh, Georgia Southern has looked really bad over the last couple of weeks. They have looked like a shell of themselves, but there's nothing like a good old fashioned rivalry game to get you going again. And I think Georgia Southern is about to get going again. You've talked about the atmosphere down there for these rivalry games. I think Kyle Van Trees does have one final good game in him this year. So I'm taking Georgia Southern to win. And that means App State is not going bowling this season. Uh, I am going to take the over in this game because I think both teams are going to put up some points. But now I'm really interested to see how you lean on this game. You know me and anyone who's talked to me this year, I've been very weary of this matchup, just looking at the personnel and the things that Georgia Southern has been able to do all year with Kyle Van Treese. But the good news for App State is they haven't been doing that the last two weeks. I was very ready, I'm not going to lie, to pick Southern in this game but once you're coming off of back-to-back games when you only get 10 and 17 points on the board, they're looking like a shell of themselves right now. And I think App stock is going a little bit up right now and Southern's going down. So I can confidently say with my head and my heart, I'm going to take App State in this one, but I do not think they cover. I think this will be a close one. It will be a tight one. The home field advantage will be huge, not huge. And I think some of the veteran leadership, some of the guys on the App State side are going to have to keep their emotions in check and have, have to have all their boxes checked off of the field before this game even starts. And then when it comes to game time, really lock in. I think it's going to be a close game with both of these teams fighting for bowl contention. I think it will turn into a little bit of a shootout just because I think App State has shown some deficiencies on the back end. And maybe we do see a little bit of a revitalization of Kyle Van Trees in that pass game. But I think App State is going to let Chase cook. I think the points are going to go over on this one. So give me the over on the points, App State to win. But I do think Georgia Southern will cover at home in this one in a tight contest. What a perfect way to end the regular season here. This will be the final regular season game at 6 p.m. Under the lights down in Statesboro. I'm looking forward to this game. Uh, Cade Marshall versus Georgia State. The Herd come in a six-point favorite. Over-under sits at 46.5. What's your take here? Call me crazy. This is more of a heart pick than a head pick, kind of like we were talking about. But I'm going with Georgia State in this one. I just like them. The way they started the game last week, if they can just bring a little bit of that into this game, I think they'll be fine. I think this Marshall team is going to be playing with a weird sense of motivation. Rasheen Ali is going to be trying to get his feet as well. And I think that Georgia State in the last couple of weeks has proven they can score the ball 
better than Marshall. And I think they've gone through their fair share of good defenses this year and with defenses this season. And I think with this being their last game, I think Darren Granger is going to try to end out on a bang. He's going to try to get Jamari Thrash that record. I think they're going to run the ball well in this game. And I think they're just going to catch the herd slipping in this one. So give me Georgia State to win, which means I think they will cover. And I'm going to take the over on the points as well. I think both of these teams maybe have some turnovers involved, some change of possession and some a lot of balls in the end zone. Well, I told you this pick segment was going to bring some juice, and it already has because for the third in the third matchup, we already have going to disagree twice, and that's because I am taking the herd to win. Uh, I like Marshall's run game in this one. I do like Georgia State a little bit better in the quarterback position. I like Marshall's defense better, um, and so that gives me enough confidence to take the herd to win on the six-point line. Uh, I am, though, going to take Georgia State to cover. I think much like we just talked about Georgia Southern App State, I think this one could provide a very close game. I think if this game is close, Kane, that probably means that these teams don't score a ton of points. So I'm going to take the under on this game. So we're going to disagree slightly there, but that's how I'm leaning in terms of Marshall, Georgia State. Uh, South Alabama, Old Dominion, Caden. I feel like this is the most straightforward matchup of the entire week. South comes in in a 15 and a half point favorite over under sits at 48. I'm taking South Alabama to win and cover. I'm also taking the under. I'm not going to spend much time on this because I, I really do feel like South Alabama is the better team. Yeah, I think this is just simply a bad matchup as well against one of the better teams in the conference and one of the worst teams in the conference, quite frankly. So I'm going to take South Alabama to win and I'm going to take the over in this one. But I am going to think I think 15 and a half points is a lot. I think Hayden Wolf and that offense do get some things cooking, and it's going to be a very similar scenario to where we saw last week. Maybe a bad beat where you see a couple passes go Old Dominion's way towards the end of the game, and they get to put some points up late. So I do think South Alabama will win this one and be ahead for most of the game, but some of those points we might see get taken up by Old Dominion at the end. They might narrow that spread a little bit. So give me South Alabama to win in the over on the points, but I do think Old Dominion has a chance to cover in this one, so I'll take that. Well, if that happens, which we both think it will, that sets up now a must win for Troy in this next matchup against Arkansas State. Troy comes in a 13 and a half point favorite. How many teams have they beaten by 13 and a half this year? Not many. Uh, the over under sits at 46 and a half. Caden, I'm going to go first here. Um, you know, Arkansas State, Caden, they really have no formula on offense at this time of the year. Uh, Troy isn't getting much from their quarterback position, but uh, Caden, I do think their run game and their defense will be enough in this game. Troy uh, probably wins this game or will win this game, in my opinion. I think that they are going to do enough to cover, but I am going to go ahead and take the under because I, you know, I just don't think either of these teams is going to put up a, a crazy amount of points. I got an identical board as you. I'm going to take Troy to win and to cover in this one, but I'm going to take the under on the points. I mean, we know Troy loves a low-scoring ball game, and I think that Arkansas State, despite last week having their best defensive showing of the season, they were still very vulnerable in the run game against that Texas State rushing attack with Perry and Barry. And I think Kamani Von Baidal is definitely a lot more of a handful in this game for them. So I think up front, they're just going to get dominated in this one, and I think their defense comes to play per usual, that, that being Troy. And I think there's just no reason for them to pick Arkansas State in this one. So I'm going to pick Troy to win to cover, but I'm going to take a, the lower end of the points just because neither offense has really proved it this year to me. Well, we've got two matchups left. We've disagreed twice. I'm interested to see how we land on these next two. Uh, Louisiana Monroe hosts Southern Miss. Southern Miss, a three-point favorite over under at 51. Caden, it's your turn to go first. 
Going with the upset on this one, give me Louisiana Monroe. I think the nasty bunch will play hard in this game. I think with them knowing there's bowl implications, they will play their best football. But I think despite how hard they can play in this one, I don't think they're going to be able to play quite as good as that Troy defense last week that we saw go up against ULM. And Chandler Rogers still managed to find the end zone twice. I think he's going to put his Superman cape on in this one, be able to play a more comfortable game against a defense that's not quite as good as Troy. Maybe be able to get Tyron Howell involved a little bit more than he did last week because it was very difficult for them in the past game. I think it'll be a little bit more open in this this one and I think ultimately they have the better quarterback in this matchup and he might be able to take over this game and do some great things for ULM so give me them to win which means they cover I'm going to take the under on the points I think it's going to be more of a low scoring affair but I do think Chandler Rogers propels his team lifts his team up in this one and pulls off the upset ruining the hopes and dreams and the bowl aspirations of Southern Miss I'm sorry guys yeah I, I'm not sure we want that hatred on Twitter uh, I agree with you here that Chandler Rogers is the X factor in this game. I think he's probably the single best player in this game uh, based on how he's played this year. Uh, but Caden, I feel like Southern Miss has more margin for error. They have the better running attack. They have the better defense. And so when you put all of that together, uh, I am taking Southern Miss to win this game. I think they will cover. Uh, we could see a tight game here and the over under at 51 feels high for these two teams. So I am also taking the under, but much unlike you, I'm going to take Southern Miss to win. I learned my lesson early on in the season, so uh, I'm going to stick with Southern Miss. Uh, last up, Texas State versus Louisiana Caden. Uh, the Ragin' Cajuns, they were my pick uh, to win the Sun Belt West, and that went horribly wrong this season. I will admit that. Uh, they come into this game a five-point favorite. Over-under sits at 40, 45. Um, Caden... Louisiana's a worse football team than App State this year. I think we can both agree there. And we saw what Texas State did to App State in week six at home. Um, to me, the game is going to be decided on if Texas State can slow down Louisiana's rushing attack. I think they will. Um, I like Lane Hatcher over Chandler Fields in this matchup. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and just do it, put myself out of my misery, put the final nail in the Louisiana coffin. I'm taking Texas State to win in San Marcos. I am also going to take the over because I do think we will see points put up in this game. Well, Noah, let me get the revival kit. Let me take that nail out of the coffin. Let me get some sparks going and, and, get, and get you back to life because I'm picking Louisiana in this game. I think when you look at Louisiana in this one, they played a Florida State team last week that was very, very overwhelming and very good, both physically and with their scheme. And I think when they step into this game against Texas State, they're going to see a significant drop off and maybe a different boost of confidence knowing they don't have to play a team at such an elite level. I think Chandler Fields is going to be playing for his job in this game. I think that Louisiana is going to be playing for a bowl game in this one. And I think they'll be able to tap into some of that championship DNA that we've seen in the past with them being able to play and step up in big games. I think the team that we kind of wrote off as the season went on is going to show a little bit of life in this one, have a little bit of pride to themselves and move a little bit differently, trying to show some swagger and make the bowl game. So give me Louisiana to win this game. I think they do cover. I think it will be close, but I think they will be able to pull out them covering. But I'm going to take the under on the points. I think it's going to be a low scoring affair in San Marcos. And everybody knows I love picking Texas State and San Marcos. Marcos, but I think I just have to go with the experience in this one in Louisiana just because they've proven it a little bit more to me historically. And I think that matters in big games like this. Well, we disagreed on four of the seven picks this week. So that was a, uh, a fun last segment of picks here in the regular season. Well, that'll do it for our week 13 preview episode. We're both looking forward to the final weekend of the Sunbelt regular season. Here's a quick reminder that we'll be back with another episode of the Frary and Smith podcast on Monday where we'll recap all the action from over the week, as well as take a quick, brief look ahead uh, to next Saturday's Sunbelt Championship game. 
I did want to say thank you for listening to this episode, but thank you for listening to our preview episodes throughout the year. I know Kate and I have really enjoyed uh, digging into these matchups throughout the season uh, and bringing what we hope uh, you guys have enjoyed and, and been uh, some knowledgeable content. Um, we certainly hope you enjoyed this episode, but, and if you did, please take a moment and subscribe to the show on either Apple podcast or Spotify so that you'll never miss another episode. I will give a quick plug here. We are going to have a lot of great off season content as well as, uh, some really fun preview episodes leading into the bowl games this season. So you're definitely going to want to stick around. Also consider leaving us a review or rating. If you like the show, it really helps us out. Lastly, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at at Prairie and Smith for all the latest Sunbelt football news and notes. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.